listening to iOS Dev Break, 15 minutes of current events, tips, and advice for iOS developers, including, but not limited to, discussions of Swift, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS. Hello, and welcome back to iOS Dev Break. I am your host, Evan Stone. This is episode 38, just 15 minutes a day. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, I think the last time that I did a show was back in October, and here it is, March. So uh, I apologize for the long break, but uh, a lot has been going on. Um, we, a lot of things have happened to us in uh, just in general <laughs> with the uh, pandemic, and uh, also a lot of things happening in the Apple world too. Um, not the least of which, I guess, sort of as a, a non-news thing. Is the uh, that the since the last time we talked, we have new computers. The M1 is out with the uh, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and the uh, Mac Mini, and uh, so hopefully you've been able to uh, acquire one of those and try it out. Uh, I went ahead and bought one for my wife because uh, her MacBook was being uh, used exclusively by my daughter for her schooling, and so that ended up being a problem of who who's going to use what when. So uh, I just decided to get uh, get my wife the uh, the M1 MacBook Air and uh, boost it up a little bit, and uh, so she she loves it uh, and. Um, I've been able to use it a little bit here and there, not really for any development work, just to sort of uh, try it out. And so far, it's a great machine. Um, just like most of us are, are kind of waiting around to see what's going to happen, whether or not Apple's going to release a 16-inch version of the uh, the M1 or M2 or M1X, whatever they're going to call it. So I guess we'll see. Well, maybe later this year they'll have a new machine out for us, probably, if they if they follow the patterns they've been they've been following lately. But I uh, actually didn't want to talk about the new Mac machines, the M1s. Uh, that was not something that I planned to talk very much about this uh, this episode. We had some other things that were lined up that I thought might be a little more interesting, especially because everybody's already talked about the M1 ad nauseum. Um, the, the first thing I was uh, wanted to chat about was about uh, Swift UI and... Uh, storyboards or lack thereof. It's interesting because I was on a call just uh, the other the other week and uh, there were three of us chatting and um, the question came up about about uh, storyboards versus uh, doing code uh, again and I thought wow this is uh, this isn't a uh, discussion that I've had for a long time because uh, um, I, I personally do everything in code now uh, though storyboards are great so uh, no problem with that, um, but especially with this shift to Swift UI, uh, it really, really, uh, I, I think this change is not to be underestimated. Um, storyboards are a, a powerful tool, but they really work out best when it's just maybe yourself working on it, uh, just on a project by yourself, or uh, maybe if you have a small team that you can really coordinate well, who has control of the, the storyboards, um, checking them in and out and, and you know, and, uh, so forth, you know, so to avoid conflicts, because that's that's the real uh, problem with, with storyboards in team development, um, which is why, you know, we've pretty much exclusively gone to uh, de developing in code, when working with UIKit, 
But the great thing is that uh, Swift UI and its previews uh, have eliminated storyboards, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. And uh, this is this is one of the things that is a huge. I think if you're trying to decide should I go with Swift UI or UI Kit, this should be one of the bullet points that's on your list because not having to do things in tons and tons of of code, UI Kit code. And also, uh, also not having to worry about the negative effects of using storyboards or uh, nib files. Those, those are, are uh, it's a huge benefit. So, um, if you can, if you have the ability to go with uh, iOS 13 or even 14 and higher, even better, uh, then you, you might want to take the plunge into Swift UI. And you'll also get some other benefits too with your uh, doing Apple Watch apps and even being able to do Mac apps even more easily. So, um, so there you go. Hopefully that'll that'll be a an excellent uh, point to use if you're you're trying to decide between uh, Swift UI and UI Kit going forward. Uh, in some cases, you have to use UI Kit, and that's just what you got to do. But uh, if you have the choice, um, that that's just another motivating fa- factor uh, for using SwiftUI. Okay, at this point, I just wanted to say that uh, I really enjoy doing these shows, and I'm very much planning on doing these on a more regular basis. Now that uh, spring is here, uh, things are are uh, kind of kind of getting back to normal, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's things are still crazy, but uh, I'm going to keep trying to do these shows. Uh, but uh, if you would like to support the show, uh, just I mentioned it before, but there is a Patreon uh, out there, and it's at uh, patreon.com forward slash iOS dev break. And uh, so, yeah, so if you feel like you'd like to support the show, I think the the level is currently a dollar a month, so that hopefully that, that won't break the bank. Um, and also, I just want to thank those who are supporting the show, uh, I really appreciate it because it does help defray the cost of the, the you know, server costs and other kinds of things. So thank you for supporting iOS DevBreak. The, uh, the, let's see, the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, a kind of just happened to be something that I was working on the other day. I was actually working on an app icon design. I had already done the design in Sketch but I needed to redo it, and I noticed that I didn't have enough variants of the PNG files exported in Sketch. And then I noticed also that the template that I had did not support being able to export any more uh, versions of the the icon. So you may not be aware of this or not if you've not worked on an icon before. Uh, if you have a template that you're working on in Sketch or uh, Figma or Photoshop, you have the ability to uh, to export all of the various ones if the template supports it, right? Um, so the uh, the one that I was using, I'm not even quite sure which one where I got it, um, and it worked fine at first, but now uh, it the the needs the requirements of the uh, the the icon sizes in Xcode have increased and changed over time. So, uh, so, and I, I'm not facile enough with sketch to know how to create more, uh, more instances of the various, uh, sizes. So, um, so I was looking around and trying to find one and this is, I, I stumbled on one that I had actually used in the past a long time ago. And I, it was a little tricky to work with 
at the time. And then I went ahead and purchased this one too. So it is, it's not free. Uh, I believe it costs like $49 or so. And, uh, but it's totally worth it. If, if your time is worth anything, um, then spending 50 bucks on a template that just goes ahead and exports the, the various icon files is totally worth it. So um, the one I went with is from Apply Pixels. And this is Michael, I think it's, I want to say Flarup, but it could be Flarup, um, his last name, uh, Michael Flarup. Uh, and so just go to applypixels.com and look for their iOS 14 app icon. And they have it for Sketch, Photoshop, and Figma. And like I said, it's totally worth it. Um, I, there was, it was a little bit of, tri uh, it's tricky for me to get it to work initially, but it's probably because I'm not a Sketch expert. So uh, there is a, uh, a video uh, on YouTube, and I'll post the link to this in the show notes, uh, which is how to use the iOS app icon template for Sketch, and it's it's by the Apply Pixels uh, folks, uh, and um, you it helps if you follow the directions exactly the way that they have it, and even though it's a different version, that's I wish they would update this because the the video that's up there I think is like four or five years old, so they've made enhancements to the icon template but they haven't updated the video that teaches you about how to use the template. So um, at any rate, uh, it, it helps to, to kind of watch carefully how uh, the person who's doing the demo creates the icon. Uh, so I found that I had to actually highlight the background layer and then actually start uh, adding um, icon elements on top of that. And so if you do it just the way it's in the video, you'll be fine. And and that was the only thing that was tricky because otherwise I was having sizing issues with it. And so, but I got it to work and I was able to export those. And the great thing is, um, and this is for transformation, is the, uh, the the icon that I'm working on. And at some point I want to be able to have uh, makeup uh, t-shirts and other kind of merchandise for this going forward. So I'm really looking forward to that. I want to do... Uh, some uh, like little coasters and um, and buttons and things like that, stickers. So uh, I'll I'll let you all know when that's available if if that interests anyone. Um, I wouldn't mind having a coffee mug with the logo on it. I love doing that kind of stuff. I, every every project I've done in the past, I've I've done those kinds of things with uh, using Cafe Press, and uh, so now I'll probably use a different service for that. But because there's there's better ones available, but it's a lot of fun to do that, and that's that's something you can do too. You, it's very easy once you get your designs done in uh, Photoshop or another design tool. You can export it, and then you can have this, these kinds of cool little uh, merchandise uh, items made up for you. And uh, then you could even you could share it with your friends and family or, uh, or other fans of the product. And so it's it's just kind of a cool way to uh, get the word out there. And uh, let's see, getting back to some of the items that we were talking about, I'm going to let this episode go go on, go over time, uh, because uh, you, the listeners, deserve it. So uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was just a, uh, a tip when using the iPad simulator. This is something that occurred to me or uh, something that I had to figure out how to do um, because I needed 
and and it didn't even occur to me that this would be a problem. But typically, I run my simulators without the the bezel around. So uh, I usually run it because I want to save space, and I don't have I don't have a huge monitor um, that you know. So that I would like to be able to have the the full iPad display, and uh, just you know having the the bezel showing is just kind of uh, I I figure a waste of um, screen real estate. So. Um, but then there's this, the, the one problem that you run into is that if you're using your iPad simulator and you want to be able to show the dock, how do you do that? Well, uh, you think that you would just put your mouse cursor at the bottom and, and go up, um, but it, and you know, and sort of uh, scroll up or uh, swipe up, I guess. Um, but uh, that wasn't working for me. Um, so uh, the key, as it turns out, was to enable the bezel. So uh, if you already run your simulators with the bezel showing, you're in good shape. But if you don't, and you're trying to figure out how to show the dock in the iPad simulator, uh, then that's this is just a little tip of the day, tip of the week, which is uh, enable the bezel, and then you, sh you should be able to swipe up from the bottom and be able to reveal the dock uh, if you want to be able to switch to another app in the simulator. So that's a very simple tip for, uh, for you today. Um, also, uh, on the topic of education, uh, this was something that was interesting that happened a little while ago. I was on a, a Zoom meeting. It was uh, kind of a, I guess it was a talent show. Yeah, yeah. So it was a Zoom talent show. And uh, everybody was, you know, the way there were people playing um, musical instruments and people singing. And, you know, it was basically a music kind of uh, talent show thing. And uh, what I thought was really interesting was that there was uh, this one um, boy from Palo Alto, I believe, and uh, he it was he was I think he was only like eight years old, I believe, in that ballpark, maybe plus or minus, right? Um, but uh, and he was playing the piano, and it was amazing the things that he was playing. Um, and he was doing such a good job, and. And at first he said, oh, well, he was playing since he was four years old. And I thought, okay, well, that is so clearly he's been practicing for four years. So he's, you know, he's an accomplished musician at, at eight years old because he's been playing for four years, half his life. Um, but I thought what was really, really interesting was that the follow-up question was, someone asked him, um, so how much, how much time do you have to do practice a day? And his answer was really interesting because I expected him to say that he practiced maybe an hour or uh, or something. But at, then, you know, when you think of a, uh, a kid who's eight years old, an hour is a really long time during the day. So uh, as it turns out, he said, oh, I usually practice 15 to 30 minutes a day. And I, he was playing flawlessly and he had been practicing 15 to 30 minutes a day. So I got to thinking about this. And really, what an effective way to learn a new skill. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of time each day, necessarily. In fact, in some ways, it's better if we do it in a smaller time slice. But the key was regularity. So he was doing it, he was practicing every day, but he was practicing for 15 to 30 minutes a day. So maybe that's something that, that we could do uh, if you're trying to learn a new skill, if there's something that you like to learn how to do, perhaps it's SwiftUI, uh, or maybe it's Core Data, or maybe it's um, something like uh, CloudKit, one of those kinds of things, whatever. 
Um, or maybe a different language or a different platform. Maybe you want to learn how to do backend development. Um, it, it goes to show that maybe what we can do is instead of trying to do a, a huge effort of, you know, hours a day of trying to learn this, we may have to if, if we have a scrunched down time to actually learn it. So if we only have two weeks, we have to learn something in, then obviously you're going to have to take more time to do that. But if you have the, the time to to do it and there's not a time pressure, then maybe just little bits of learning each day is uh, something we can do. Just take one step at a time. In fact, if you constrain yourself, you may find that you may commit better to it and you may actually look forward to accomplishing more uh, and doing it more often uh, in the long run. So if you know that you only have 15 to 30 minutes, then you're going to make it count. So uh, those constraints, when we put it on ourselves, sometimes that, that is really valuable and really helps us to succeed. So anyway, just, it was just a thought. And then con- connecting that, too, with these uh, the 100 Days programs. So uh, like uh, Paul Hudson has 100 Days of Swift. There's 100 Days of Swift UI. Um, or maybe you wanted to do a, a course on raywenderlich.com or Udemy, you know, one of those kinds of things. You could just take it one time slice at a time. The 100 days programs are nice because they are sort of atomic chunks that you can do each day, or you could even break it up maybe, you know, because I think typically those tend to be, they want you to be maybe an hour or so, but uh, you could break that up even more. And so then if you just take it just one step at a time, if you constrain yourself, then you may actually uh, accomplish more in the long run and you'll be looking forward to doing it each day. Okay. I think those are pretty much all of the items that I had for this show. I have some other things that are queued up for future episodes, but uh, those were the the important ones that I wanted to mention this week. And uh, also just wanted to say, if you like the show, um, you could also help us out with a review on uh, whichever source you are listening to this from. If you're listening to in uh, in the the iTunes or the, the podcast store, uh, then go ahead and you can leave a review. It'd be, it'd be appreciated. It'd be nice if you like the show. Uh, if you don't like the show, then you don't have to leave a review. That's fine too. Uh, so <laughs> only positive reviews. Uh, no, um, you can write whatever you want. Uh, okay. So, so I think that is it. That's what we're going to, we're going to wrap up for this week. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I really appreciate the support that, that you're giving. And uh, I'll catch you next time on iOS Dev Break. Thank you for listening to iOS Dev Break with your host, Evan K. Stone. If you would like to learn more information about the podcast or read the show notes, or if you would like to hear more episodes, go to iOSDevBreak.com. You can also find various other ways of supporting the show there, so we encourage you to check it out. You can also follow and tweet feedback and questions to the show on Twitter at iOSDevBreak, and please spread the word. We'd really appreciate it. If you would also like to support the show in a monetary way, please go to patreon.com forward slash iOSDevBreak, and there you can find out how to help us out just for a dollar a month. If you are interested in sponsoring a future episode, please send an email to sponsor at iOSDevBreak.com. Thank you again for listening to iOS Dev Break, and until next week, we will catch you on the flip side. iOS Dev Break is a production of Interactive Logic. Thank you.